I have been elected to introduce this episode against my will. Yes. <laughs> I wanted Nikki to do it, but the other two were like, no, make the awkward person do it, who always stumbles whenever she's introducing and rambles away. So <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to I don't know what episode this is, but it's the Grim Reader, where uh <laughs> three best friends judge each other's books by a front cover before doing a book review. So um yeah. So hopefully you're listening for the first time. Uh, knowing me and my OCD, I'd tell you to go back and listen to episode one. <laughs> but uh, your grand, stay here, your grand. I was going to say, Becca, that's like one of the most concise ways of explaining the show. You didn't and say for some reason, pardon? She didn't say breast. Good job. <laughs> she didn't say breast. <laughs> but that's one of the most concise ways. Like whenever I'm explaining to people what it's about and I'm like, oh yeah, it's me and my friends and like, each of us like pick a book and then we like have to show the others the book and then they have to like explain what it's about but they don't haven't read it and then I have to like review it you just did it properly so thank you uh, I'm just gonna write however, a transcript how many uh, episodes are we in and we finally able to get this out <laughs> um <laughs> do you know so uh well done us pat on the back it only took us x amount of episodes so uh if you yeah, if you've dealt with us so far and our long rambling ways, well done. Um, we would give an award, Please but we have you. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing, um, only um, goodwill. Bent, bent pages on the books that I scribble on. Merch. <laughs> we have nothing. <laughs> we need we um if anyone's to sponsor us absolutely we can have merch then <laughs> but at the we moment we sell our souls to have merch <laughs> girl um if there's an afterlife i'd like to you know not be in the burning pits of hell uh, <laughs> so i don't want to sell my soul quite yet do you know i need a little okay. bit of convincing it's 2021 we might as well that's our intro uh we're moving right along to star signs hmm. i'm not good at segues so uh nikki's brilliant at them hmm. i gotta oh, come up with a segue <laughs> speaking of astrology no before we started recording we like what happens when we're recording this podcast is we we get on zoom and we're like oh yeah we'll do like i'm doing this book oh yeah cool i'm doing this book and we like chat 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 and then we start talking about something interesting and one of us goes stop we gotta record this because it might be funny <laughs> so one of the topics that we can't segue into in any other way is stair signs mm. we just started talking about them i don't know why they popped up i can't remember i think it was i was saying that i was getting um i'm i'm clearly i actually do think i have ocd since starting this podcast because i've been like super organized i have been writing down like I started an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of what books we do each week and who's covered, who's guest for who and stuff like that. And I was saying this and Chloe just comes out with like, is there a bit of Virgo in you? Like Capricorn or Capricorn, was it? And I was like, no, no. And like, I don't really know what my star sign and all this kind of is. I've kind of tried to do it myself and I don't understand it, but I know I'm Leo, but my moon is it is a gemini 
So if your moon, your moon sign is like your inner world. Okay. It's like how you perceive the world. In other words, you're a two-faced bitch. <laughs> I was going to say she's and, curious about the world around her, but okay. <laughs> end call. End call. I, I, no, no, no. I've got a Gemini ascendant, so I look like a two-faced bitch. But actually, I'm a Virgo moon, so I'm just depressed. <laughs> I'm an Aquarius moon, so I'm basically an alien at heart. Yeah. She tried, like, it tried to be human. She's not doing a great job. <laughs> she is. She's doing the best job. But she's a yeah. Leo, no. so she has good hair. She does. She does. Very good hair. Um, Maybe, yes. it. Maybe it's Olaplex. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, what I loved was throughout college, Chloe and Nikki were all, like, about star signs and blah, 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 and, like, talking about their charts and all this. I never did it. I just pretended that I did it for the whole six years. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I like, you she's a Gemini. <laughs> I was too, I was too embarrassed. I was like, mm. and then they were like, yeah, we've done yours with you. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to be like, call you out. I was like, no. <laughs> and then, uh, do you remember, do you remember? Well, I. it's really funny when we talk about this, we have to tiptoe around the traumatic event. But do you remember how much of a part that app Daily Horoscopes played <laughs> in the tragedy of our fourth year college? Yeah. Um, traumatic. Um, yeah. Our, like, what, like, our shared trauma was written in the stairs, bitch. Like, you can't tell me any, anything else. Like, um, oh my God. Yeah. I'm also remembering, remember that uh, thing where you could find out what tree as well? Oh my God. <laughs> That's on. <laughs> Actually, I um, think I do that right now and read it out. I <laughs> think Chloe needs to read it out because it was just a piece of art what Chloe got. What was it? It was a roast. So it's very topical since you want to roast me. <laughs> yeah we will be like chloe is going to roast herself and then we're going to proceed to roast her and reveal the reason why chloe is the victim of this podcast <laughs> deserved victim of this podcast right now hold on i need to download the app but it, it is worth it <laughs> it is so worth it i remember um like being told about i looked at mine and i think i got elm or something i was like oh that's really nice and like accurate like blah blah, blah. and then it was fine like nothing horrible or anything like that like it was all very very nice and but like wisdom and all this blah, blah, blah. I think Nikki yours was nice as well and then Chloe was really hurt and I just looked completely traumatized and scarred for life as she was reading it and then as well mine was like a tiny little like portion of my like of the screen on my phone oh, Nikki's Chloe, yours the same you had to Chloe's was pages. <laughs> Chloe's was pages long, and it was just an absolute roast. Like this person either hated. Was it based on your star sign or something? It's based on your date of birth. It's your druid horoscope. Um, yeah. And I remember like Nikki's is like, "You're so pretty, and you're a natural-born communicator." And yours was like, "You're just so intelligent and like introspective, but in a good way." And mine, mine, shall we? It's it's long, yeah. but shall we read it out. I'm the nutwood. The nutwood tree is very adaptable. Its fruit can be cracked open and the seeds can be eaten. When the bark is burnt, it creates a fine black soot that can be mixed with oil and combed through the hair to darken it. 
and the wood of this tree burns exceptionally well as firewood. Likewise, the very interesting nutwood tree person has a nature that is quite contradictory. On the one hand, this sign is honest, loyal and very friendly, but can instantly turn into a self-centered egoist when they feel that someone (laughs) is trying to infringe upon their rights and so commences the roast. On top of that, nutwoods tend to have all kinds of unusual whims that they may not even try to hide. At times, they have extreme and unpredictable mood swings and can instantly become aggressive. Nutwood tree people can be quite unpredictable. One minute they're all lovey-dovey and the next moment they can be cold and completely indifferent. This sign knows what buttons to push to manipulate the feelings of others. Nutwoods truly <laughs> enjoy being taken care of. They desperately need to be admired and even worshipped. When they don't get enough attention, Nutwoods may get frustrated and take it out on their loved ones. Guys, or- make the fan page for Chloe quick. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm hurting my own feelings. <laughs> Also, they sometimes have a very jealous nature. They perceive each and every person as a potential competitor. All these traits make nutwoods difficult and at times unpleasant. Nutwoods are often their own worst enemies. They tend to blow everything out of proportion and complicate their own lives. And because their personality is unpleasant, they may not have a confidant to share their worries with. (laughs) The love life (laughs) of the nutwood person just keeps going. The love life of a nutwood person is also far from being smooth. Nutwoods like to do- oh we're getting to the best part actually. Nutwoods like to dominate their partner, alternating meanness and endearment. <laughs> in order to find happiness in love, nutwoods need to find someone who will enjoy some level of suffering and be somewhat of a masochist. <laughs> nutwoods are great. While reasoning, they take into consideration the smallest details that other people may neglect. They can act quickly, but often need time to think everything through. Even the modest nutwoods want their lives to be rich and eventful. They are not afraid to take risks. Their inability to compromise makes them hard to deal with, but nutwoods don't care. Yeah. Oh, um, it, it, it roasted me again, and it said, I'm going to drive all my loved ones away eventually. Yeah. yeah. And that the people the people who do stick around um, enjoy because you're independent. So look at it. I don't really know if I enjoy people for their level of independence. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be like, I just love Nikki and Becca because they're so independent. I just love that they don't need me at all. <laughs> I mean, it's um, so apologies to anyone else who might be a nutwood. Um, <laughs> my April 22nd friends. oh it's just like it was so horrible like everyone else because there was quite a few of us doing it everyone else got lovely things like and short and sweet as well whereas Chloe's was like whoever wrote this hated someone born on April 22nd hated someone born on that date do you know it it hurt I I actually did genuinely hurt my own feelings again I'm going to feel bad about roasting you later, but I'm still doing it. it's not true. I, I, I expect it. I mean, I, I have to take some level of score and, or else I'll drive you all away. <laughs> um. <laughs> speaking of um, insufferable, <laughs> speaking of Nutwood, Chloe has broken the rules of the podcast and has read two episodes. Only <laughs> two episodes. Um, she has read, started reading the book that she was meant to be guessing today. I actually started reading it about four months ago. <laughs> no excuse. 
No excuse, no. Chloe. I told you about 10 times I was going to do this book because I read it in November and then I started rereading it and I was like, oh, I'll do this book once I finish rereading it. And um, Chloe was going to guess it, but Chloe has actually been reading it. So we're just going to make Becca guess it. Yeah, for yeah. shame. Like, and the thing is, so we, when we started this podcast, I was like, we just messaged each other, make sure that we haven't read the book or whatever. Or I'd say in the future now, we're going to be like dibs on this book. I'm going to be reading it or whatever. Because like I'd say with the Christmas books I've got, I think there's two, my one that myself and Nikki definitely have. Yeah. Um, and we'll just be like, look, we'll both read that Chloe, Chloe's going to guess it, whatever. And we'll just organize it that way. But Chloe, it was mentioned so many times in the group chat. It was so, it was mentioned like over 10 times. Like Nikki was so good at being like, I'm definitely, I'm thinking about doing these. I'm definitely doing these. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I've. I think I've read the blurb of this. It's on my to read list. I got it for And Christmas. I just wrote Becca. But, for a second because you agreed with me when I said it first and I was like oh I thought she was doing promising young women and you were like yeah I thought so too <laughs> don't are you even, gonna do that next week don't even try to turn the tables around here Colleen. oh the tables have been turned Becca. No, don't make us mute you <laughs> to continue the rest <laughs> I'll mute my damn self <laughs> so um I'm gonna be guessing a book I can't remember what it's about. It is on my to read list, but we're just going to put a disclaimer in here. No need for that, Chloe. <laughs> Chloe is on mute, sticking up the middle finger. <laughs> like, sorry, but um, like yeah. and not would would. <laughs> but, uh, so that's that's going to be great. Um, so yeah, so if we're doing things the exact same as the last episode, that is why. Um, it's all close yeah. fault. <laughs> <laughs> go on the record wholeheartedly saying my bad <laughs> she's been forgiven uh, so hopefully um it won't happen again this was bound to happen at some stage ah uh, yeah but, but i didn't you know i didn't think it was going to be chloe's third episode with us you like a volatile third party this is all on you <laughs> um we'll now this will be good in one way because um, like last week with our books, we were all dying for each other to read them so we could have someone to talk to about them. So at least Chloe can kind of give you some insight on this book after uh, you guess what it is as well. Yeah. You can get two opinions on it, which could yeah. be quite interesting. But uh, for shame, Chloe. <laughs> um, it's your fault for being friends with me because you're masochist. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so no look it'll lead to a funny episode um it'll be fine um but yeah Rebecca, you you and i have something in common that we need to also bully chloe about in that we have watched the joker over yes. christmas i finally watched it i actually watched it last night with my parents and um not what i was expecting at all at yeah, all at all. my dad. I saw it in the cinema and I loved it. And I loved how it gave me so much like of the vibes from The Shining because the music in it is amazing. And it's the first uh, female composer and conductor to perform at the Oscars and be nominated, I think, mm -hmm. or to win. But um, I 
I watched it like back when it came out. I've watched it a couple of times since it came on now TV. I really like that movie. I don't know why. It's visually beautiful. It like, is. The colors yeah. are great. And I was trying to pitch it to my dad to watch it with me. And he's a psychotherapist. And I was like, oh, you'd really like it. It's all about mental health. And da, da, da. And he was like, no, it's not. It's a superhero movie. And I was like, no, it's not. It really <laughs> isn't. Um, no, it's... no, no, no. You see, I was not going to watch it originally because I was like, oh, I think it's going to be a bit scary or whatever. And like that, I'm not really into like superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Not my vibe. But Nikki convinced me. So when we were going around the family thinking about like film options, um, Killian was like, oh, the Joker was like, oh, yeah, Nikki told me it's like really good. And like, I'm really interested to see what is it walking Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. Ooh, I kept calling him Joaquin to an eye. <laughs> so, uh, here's your little bit of praise. Well done. It's Joaquin. <laughs> I really wanted to see him because I think he is an amazing actor. <clears throat> and um, like, you know, we obviously know he swept the awards um, last year for it. So I was like, okay, need to watch it. And at the start, it's it's a bit, it takes a while to get into it. So it does. I re- we watched it in the cinema and for anyone that hasn't seen it we won't spoil it but one no. of the main one of the main things that this man is dealing with um the Arthur Fleck who becomes the Joker is that uh he has this neurological condition where he laughs when he's uncomfortable and he laughs hysterically Related. and the first few times he was laughing in the or in like the cinema everyone in the cinema was like what the hell <laughs> so weird <laughs> and we were all laughing along with the movie going what the fuck and then eventually like ha- when he reached like the third of the way through it the laughing is not funny anymore <laughs> like, I, it's not funny at all. I never found the laughing funny I just found it really uncomfortable because you could tell like it's it's but it was kind of in the cinema we laughed because it was so uncomfortable and so mm. weird and eventually yeah. it's very sinister <laughs> Oh, it's it's very sinister, but he is amazing in it. Like, wow, his acting is just subpar. Like, there's you can't fault it at all. Like, he portrays this character and the mental mental illness that he's suffering from perfectly, and just this like downward spiral. Yeah, and it's it's done very well. It's mm. it's the making of how he became the villain that we know in Batman and again it's kind of that gone girl thing we're talking about how unlikable people and main characters can be last week and it's such an easy way to make a villain just totally unlikable but this film really succeeds in like showing you exactly why he is the way he is and you'd sympathize with him a lot because he kind of was destined to be that way in the world he was in and the cards he got dealt yeah no, it is. It's an amazing movie. Um, probably not one that I'd be able to watch again because it is it is dark. It's so dark. <laughs> it's such a dark movie and sinister and just, you know, um, I, like it is an amazing movie, but there are many movies that I think I've seen once and I just could never bring myself to watch again. Do you know? And that is one of them. I, I find at the moment, I think with quarantine or whatever, like, all, the news cycle is so grim and you can't do anything because everything is grim my tolerance like I am a true crime aficionado like I 
I love true crime. I love infectious diseases. Well, love learning about them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I a am a COVID stan. <laughs> I mean, like there are stranger things. <laughs> there are there are Jeffrey Dahmer stan accounts. Um, but yeah, I love learning about true crime, love learning about infectious diseases, love learning about like dark, grim things, but I just have no tolerance for it anymore. Like I haven't been able to listen to any true crime podcasts since COVID hit because I, I just can't. I'm, I'm already too anxious. Yeah, I went through a big spell, spell of that and I'm starting. I think it was like when the world started coming out of it, I started coming out of it again. But I feel like now with the with another lockdown, I'd say I'll be listening to um you're wrong about instead of my favorite murder and this podcast will kill you for a couple more weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I actually make a side note when you said Jeffrey Dahmer? Um, one of the most horrific experiences I've ever had at my uh, old girl secondary school was um this girl telling me that I had really nice eyes. I was like, oh thanks do you know like rare compliment that you get and then she's like yeah they're like the eyes of a serial killer i remember that you telling me this and i was shook oh the eyes God. of a serial killer and i was like oh she didn't stop there she actually told me which serial killer jeffrey dahmer and i'm gonna look it up i've you never dahmer eyes. Doo, doo, doo. i was so hurt and the thing I is that at, that at that point in time i would have been like I like I don't like looking at myself like most people but like you know, when you have like one feature that you're like this is kind of nice I cannot hate this about myself those were my eyes and after she told me this I've never liked them since but Aww. yeah it was really hurtful but I'm just gonna look it up because I think Jeffrey Dahmer has green eyes I do not have green eyes they're nothing like yours yeah they're not I had it's... his glasses I look more like him than you do yeah. so <laughs> to every each other i'm i'm looking it up oh his eye color is actually blue <laughs> no but they're not the same no there's no. nothing there there's no resemblance and i'm sure maybe she was trying to be funny but i was like this is really hurtful <laughs> it's really hurtful <laughs> it's like you turned a compliment into such an insult <laughs> but uh yeah so um yeah just that made me when you said jeffrey Dahmer, i can never hear his name without hearing chloe, that comment no no this will be something instead chloe do you remember when we went to see my favorite murder and there was a man dressed up as yeah. jeffrey Dahmer? no you're no. audience oh dickhead and everyone's song because i knew another girl that was at it and she was texting me she was like did you see the jeffrey Dahmer looking guy and i was like i did he was Get wearing out. orange prison overalls and the, the glasses that nikki has yeah, like my glasses. <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, you can't wait, do that. Everyone can... was mad. Like everyone was mad. I'm I'm sure he probably did it to be like, oh funny and all this, but like he was like know. one of the only men there as well. So everyone was like, fuck men. <laughs> I'm scared of straight cisgender men who are into true crime. <laughs> yeah, that's real. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a hot take, but like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of you're there. Like, why? Why are you interested? Are you a secret serial killer? Do I need to uh, put you? To be on honest, some... just straight cis men can be intimidating on the best of times. Yeah, 
but then <laughs> like no we we you know too much now this is <laughs> it just makes me uncomfy scary yeah I remember um I was only kind of starting to date Matteo when I was going to that uh podcast and um I remember, uh, remember I sent an email to them being like, I've left this really hot Italian oh guy <laughs> to go up to the show. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not mentioning his name because I want to stay safe and not get murdered. <laughs> I and forgot about that. And I really wanted them to read it out. <laughs> oh my God. There has to be a day when you read that email on the thing because it was like, I left a hot Italian man. <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna be so uncomfortable if I leave this in. This is Matteo's equivalent of my long leg hair that you left in it. Like, <laughs> no, he's not. He's a beautiful Italian man <laughs> who puts this is up his with equivalent. me. <laughs> um, but yeah so uh no and I remember going to this podcast and him being like oh what's it about and like not knowing what podcasts were at all and I was like so nervous to tell him I was like it's um a true crime podcast and he was like oh like you know like real crimes that have happened like burglaries all this kind of stuff I was like no truly just murder <laughs> just murders <laughs> and he was like I mean, it's about my my favorite murders actually my favorite murders and like to be fair to him he we're still together to this day so I didn't freak him out by telling him I was really interested in true crime so um well done um yes hopefully when this comes out we're still together <laughs> fingers crossed awkward <laughs> awkward me being like the next episode he taught me <laughs> Oh yeah. Um the Um, other movie we watched, Little Women. Yes. I love the original movie. Well, I don't know if it's the original, you know, the 1990 movie or whatever that has Winona Ryder. One is so so good. And I had put off watching it because I'm not the biggest fan of Sierra Ronan. Oh no, sorry, sorry, Rebecca, like I put up with a lot. This is the last straw. <laughs> I would die for Saoirse Ronan. I love her. Same. Um, Treasure. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is. Do you know when you just never really click with someone? And I think this movie has actually changed my mind. Good. So I will. I will. I, I'm not going to go that far. I'm just going to say. Whatever it was, it just redeemed it slightly for me. You know, I actually could watch her movies now without kind of grumbling about it. Um, I love her. If I can say that movie was amazing. It was. I'm sorry. Did Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Best Director for that movie? I have no idea. Actually. I don't think no, she did. I think she got Best Movie. She got Best Director for Lady Bird. I think she should have been nominated amazing for that. Movie. Um, I'm going yeah. to look it up. I don't think she was nominated. And that you is You need to watch uh, Lady Bird. Lady Bird is great. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I watched Lady Bird and Sing Street back to back um, on a flight home from China. And I just bawled my eyes out <laughs> for like four hours. It was great. But uh, we should probably get into books. <laughs> last last word on movies. Um, I watch. I spent nearly two hours of my life watching Christmas on the Square, uh, the Dolly Parton <gasps> Christmas movie. 
is that on that like it was horrific and like not even in a like so bad it's good kind of way like the room this was not um poor dolly like i love dolly i love her i think she's amazing and like i just can't get over that the woman who wrote i will always love you and jolene on the same day wrote this like she's found like everyone has limitations even dolly parton like there's something comforting in that exactly it's it, yeah it, it's almost comforting but not not enough <laughs> it was poor dolly I got, a bo- I got a book about her. Please tell me it doesn't include anything about Christmas on the square. It does not. <laughs> it is sacred text only. We do love Dolly Parton. I'm just going to say that. Just. Um, we stan. We do stan. This just might not have been the best movie contribution that she's made. I'm going to watch it. I think you should. I'd love to discuss it. I'd love a bit of lively discussion. So um, to the Dolly stands, please do not come for us. We, we, Don't okay. come for Chloe. I am totally, I am Switzerland. I, no, I love Dolly. Like, don't get me wrong. Dolly is queen. But, like, <laughs> this, ain't, this is not it. Yeah. I need to watch it and I'm excited. Um, <laughs> so Nikki has come away from this with many movie recommendations sing street and the dolly parton christmas movie so. someday we'll all have watched the same movie <laughs> someday um we've all watched little women no that's true yeah so no we're great uh, <clears throat> with that um well done for making it through the intro um to this podcast which who knows how long it is after i edit it but uh welcome to the book section what the podcast is actually (laughs) supposed to be about and i'm first this time um so nikki um you get my lovely book cover i actually have two book covers for you because my original book cover tells you nothing and i said i'd be kind who's um Am I not? Oh, sorry, Chloe. Chloe, you're doing me. Oh, sorry. We've gotten ourselves into some trouble there. Sorry. Oops. My tired brain no longer works, so I'm being kind. Wait, I guessed Chloe's last time. Well, I can't remember. Chloe ruined it all for us. (laughs) (laughs) See, myself, myself, and Nikki, uh, the professional podcasters, being like, "But that's not how it works." Oh, wait, no, Chloe. I'm professional, and I'm lying on my bed with my back. I'm like, oh. Um, so this features my beautiful blacked out marks again. Um, so the black blobs do not belong on the cover, but they're covering some remarks about it. So that is the cover that will actually help you because my original one does nothing. Oh, I've been meaning to read this. I actually don't have a clue what it's about. Good. Such a fun age. Okay. That would have been awkward if you didn't know what it's about. Oh. <laughs> at that, if you did know what it was about chloe we'd be kicking you off the podcast <laughs> oh not that fair we'd just be bullying her a little bit more <laughs> our okay. loving lovingly roasted not <laughs> is that the title lovingly roasted <laughs> okay so kylie reed such a fun age so immediately the cover uh we have white background we have what looks like a kind of suburban couple and like in car- cartoony drawing style um, of a couple with a toddler and what looks like a shopping basket 
Uh, I was wondering what the black blobs on the page were. Then I remembered it was Becca editing out the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and then such a fun age and kind of this bold, like bright pink print laid over that. So I feel like this is giving me kind of like Caroline O'Donoghue vibes. This is giving me like 21st century like relationship problems in suburb. So I'm thinking that this book centers around this couple. We'll call them Jeff. I was going to say Jeff and Annie, thinking they were two random names. That they're from Community. <laughs> Jeff and Elaine, and you know, oh. in high school, they're kind of like that typical. I'm going to say they're American. They had this kind of like typical like American high school experience uh, of being like sweethearts from high school. And this book is mainly about them kind of traversing their 20s and into their 30s as a couple. And they have a child together. Um, they I don't know how in love they are. I think that mm. they got together very young, but they regret getting married so young because they especially Elaine, she sees her friends around her like having like you know the quintessential like in your 20s experience like dating around getting meeting like you know men who are into serial killers and Mitski on Bumble um drinking wine on couches um you know just the, the true like millennial experience um and she's just wondering like she's like oh I don't know should I've had a kid so early he's kind of thinking the same he's he's kind of he has a wandering eye he oh no does he go there though i i think he does and i eventually think they realize that they're not meant for each other and before they hit their 30s they divorce and try and capture what they feel like they've lost in their early 20s yeah they're probably that couple who like everyone is telling them like oh my god you're gonna be the first to get married yeah, you're such goals. Yeah, oh so much expectation. But no, they have this like, you know, picture perfect life and like really cute pics with their with their family on Instagram on Woodland Hikes, but they're they're not happy. So yeah, I, I that I'm gonna go with that. So Jeff and Elaine and their little kids, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. What's the kid's name? The kid's name is X equals A12. <laughs> well done uh, oh my god no <laughs> oh I thought it was it <laughs> like oh my god that uh, is the kid's name that's far from it actually very far from it um, oh my god that would have been exactly what I would have thought it was as well so this is actually I loved this book um really 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 good um so it's a 2019 novel um and i wrote down a quote uh from a review i read of it when i was doing research and like research into the author um and it calls it a comedy of good intentions is oh. how kylie reed herself has described it um this is her debut novel um while an online review called it the satirization of the white pursuit of wokeness which i thought actually oh. accurately summed this book up yes i'm diving into a book about race again <laughs> um, <laughs> on, because girl. uh 
um, I think we need a lot more representation in the world of books as well as in the world of everything. So um, cover in another book that I really enjoyed reading. So the actual, this cover depicts the opening of the very book. So this is not a spoiler. Um, this actually is on the blurb of the book. So it opens with a young black woman Mira Tucker being accused of kidnapping a, this white toddler that she's actually babysitting in a very upmarket supermarket in Philadelphia. So what happens is that Amira um, works as a babysitter and she gets called by the family that she babysits for to say that they're having a family emergency. Can she come over and look after the child? Just get her out of the house. And she's like, uh, it's like Friday night. I'm at a birthday party. It's 10 p.m. Like she's telling the mother like this is inappropriate. Like, are you sure I'm dressed up in going out clothes? Um, and she tells her, yes, just take her to the supermarket. It's fine. So already like, you know, she she notices there's there's warning signs but anyway she's like fine a friend goes with her and they bring her this three-year-old at 10 o'clock at night to their her local supermarket and they just walk around so anyway they're trying to like um keep the the little girl like entertained so they start doing a dance party um in the middle of one of the aisles and it's like super cute and just like she's you know just it's lovely and um she has a really nice connection with the little girl but i mean someone who passes by that amira thinks like oh she's just laughing at us whatever she goes and gets the security guard and accuses um amira of kidnapping this girl oh my god because amira is black and the baby girl is white and um she's trying to explain like she's telling her like that was really inappropriate behavior like you're dancing and all this in the middle of the supermarket and um it's so late like why is she out here this is the only possible explanation and she's trying to explain like no no i'm her babysitter she knows me really well this was an extreme situation i i was told to get her out of the house and like this seemed like an appropriate place to take her which to be fair i would agree with like where are you going to take a child at 10 p.m on a Friday night, like a supermarket clean. There's there's nothing going to be going on there. So the security guard does not believe her. And it gets really, he gets really aggressive with her. And um, this whole thing is being filmed by a bystander. I think the friend had to leave. Um, so she's on her own now. And um, like really aggressive. He's getting very in her face saying he's going to call the police. And she's like, please, I'll just call the family. I'll call the dad. He'll explain it to you over the phone. Like there's nothing going on and straight up call her a liar and everything like that. And it's horrific. Um, so eventually the only way it's resolved is she does get to call the dad. And I think they're even trying to grab the phone out of her hand. Like they're not allowing her to leave or anything. And, um, she calls the dad and he arrives and explains the situation and it's all fine. Like the, the accuser just goes off without any repercussions whatsoever. And it's shocking because I know this definitely happens. Um, and like that could have been her daughter, like for all you know, that yeah. could have been her adopted daughter. Like, and um, it's just shocking. And like, it's a white man that they believe, you know, this white middle-aged man and it's all resolved and like he's really apologetic and she's like look I'm just going home you take Briar that's the daughter's name so anyway this um ordeal is what kind of 
the book starts off with and everything that transpires afterwards is because of this. So already it's a very like you are hooked right from the start with this because you're there kind of going like what is going to happen. So Amira herself um, has graduated college. I think she was an English major, if I remember rightly, and she's 25. So in her mid 20s, again, you're like, ah, oh, many of the books that I have really enjoyed recently have all been about people my age. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it shows um, how important representation is. It is like you connect really, really well with her because she's feeling really aimless and lost in comparison to her friends because she views them as being like really ambitious and like they're getting really, really great jobs that are like they're able to move into apartments by themselves and like they're making their way into the world and she you know she's babysitting at the moment and she doesn't feel like she's doing anything um and as well then her family she's completely different to them um her family all have I think they make their own stuff and things like that as a business and like they all fell very naturally into those their chosen fields um while she's really struggling to find something that she wants to do as a career um and something that she's passionate about as well the whole time she's really really panicking about her financial situation and she's really conscious that she's not going to be on a healthcare plan um as she's hitting 25 and she's going to be taken off her family's healthcare plan. So she's really, really worried. And in the end, she, to make ends meet for the moment, she takes a babysitting job for the Chamberlain family. Um, so that's Amira and like really, really lovely character. The Chamberlain family, let's get into this, <laughs> Here we are, go. The, are the polar opposite um, to Amira and her family background. So her boss, and I, Alex, so it's spelled A-L-I-X. Prick. And in the book, she she is, this character is obsessed with how her name is pronounced. And I'm not going to pronounce it correctly because I hate her that much. Um, Elix is how she wants pronounced, like kind of French, Elix. I'm not doing that, it's Alex. Um, she is, yeah, I hate her. And you'll find out why. I hate her so much. <laughs> she is a caricature. <laughs> She is a character of a working mom influencer. Um, she's 33, white, upper middle class, and is always kind of aiming to stay relevant. Um, that's a big thing for her is to be seen relevant and cool and hip. Um, she's married to a local news anchor, um, while her own career uh, was launched due to her own like knack of writing to companies and getting freebies from them. So her whole career is based off that and letter writing and all this kind of stuff. So um, she, at the start, uh, why she hires Amira to babysit is that she lands herself a book deal and um, she hires Amira to look after her two children, but particularly her eldest child, th the three-year-old, I think she's three, um, Briar Rose. Um, one of the main reasons I didn't like Alex is that she openly favors her, her newest child. The youngest um she Aww. openly admits that she doesn't connect with briar at all and briar just seems like just this wonderful toddler she's interested in all these like really funny weird stuff um and wants to know exactly how everything works and like i've met many little kids that are like that do you know absolutely obsessed with that kind of stuff and she just doesn't like it. And the fact that she's always chatting. And like, I remember my sister when she was that age, 
sweet lord like <laughs> did she ever stop talking no <laughs> and you just put up with it you're just like okay <laughs> this is my life now that you've arrived <laughs> do you know um and it's she's just so adorable and she doesn't see that she just so sees all these negatives about her own child and she just kind of it's almost like she's lumping her off to Amira and Amira just sees this wonderful little girl so that's one of the points I hate about her most apart from everything else um so after the <laughs> yeah there's just so much to hate about this character I I just so after the supermarket incident Alex decides to befriend Amira now she's working for her now for a few months and um so it's only after like already strange after a few months you're like I'm suddenly going to be really friendly with you and make you my project almost mm -hmm. and she has this obsession in her mind that they're going to become best friends and she starts acting like really odd around her and just really becomes very almost to the point of stalking her obsessed with Amira and it's really strange and she starts imagining what Amira is really like and like trying to get her to be the best around her so she starts painting this whole false image of what she's like in front of Amira and it's just really uncomfortable reading it and you're like stop trying Amira's not interested she views herself as an employee that's it you know she wants those boundaries and she doesn't see that um so Amira finds all of Alex's attempts at kind of getting to know her kind of really blundersome and that she's kind of fumbling Alex is fumbling to identify with a black person so during the book, then um, Amira meets um, this guy, Kelly Rowland, and starts dating him. Or sorry, not Kelly Rowland. It's Kelly Copeland. Whoopsie doopsie. Didn't read at all from my notes. Well, Kelly Rowland. <laughs> Kelly Rowland is not in this book. Um, it's a guy oh, called. Kelly. Um, it's Kelly Copeland. I'm apologizing. Um, Oh and on <laughs> trying to move on from my blunder, but no. <laughs> um, so Kelly actually, unbeknownst to Amira, knows Alex from her previous life, back wherever she's from. <laughs> from Destiny's Child. Not from Destiny's Child. Kelly Kelly Copeland is a white man. Um <laughs> who who has his own issues and like seems just overly trying to compensate um I find like he's trying to be woke himself and you're like no it comes across as you trying too hard and not really fully understanding what the issues are like he's really trying to put pressure on um Amira to release the recording he's actually the person who recorded the whole incident in the supermarket and he's really trying to put pressure on her to release it and she doesn't want to you know she's just trying to live her life and she's trying to explain that to him like she doesn't want to be an issue she wants to just get on with her life find out what she wants to do all that kind of stuff and it's kind of him dictating to her a lot so Alex and Kelly themselves never seem to view Amira as a person like a fully complete person okay. you know they, they view her as their own projects really and um yeah so um what the person I love Amira um She's very relatable and all that. And I love her best friend, Zara. Oh, she is the person that if you need this per uh, best friend to like lift you up and like 
help you out of things without forcing you to do it like she gives her advice and like helps her and things like that she is amazing and at the end of the book when there's a particular scene if you read the book you'll definitely understand when it happens Zara is just amazing (laughs) like I'd love to be able to do what she does at the end of the book just a very powerful uplifting friend who doesn't judge her for anything that happens and supports her um so yeah it is an amazing book um i think the kylie reed herself um writes two very you know different characters and doesn't hide their flaws or anything like that as you're reading it um but yeah and handles this very particular issue very well you know it covers a lot of issues you know not just race but this kind of trend of white people trying to become woke and like white saviorism yeah it is it's very much a white savior thing that you need to go in and rescue them no you need to listen and learn and understand what they want um so yeah it's it's a very interesting book and i would definitely say read it um i really enjoyed it it is um it is really really great and um all the different things that happen um just it's brilliant um out of 10 it, out of 10 i would probably give it a nine. Ooh, yeah <laughs> i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it um in my usual thing of researching the authors as well a little note on kylie reed she's an american author and this is her debut book uh she graduated from the iowa writers workshop and where she received the truman capote fellowship so she is one talented woman. She lives in Philadelphia herself. So she writes about the area very well. I love when authors just nail. Exactly. You, like you can completely picture the world that this these characters are living in. And I think living in Philadelphia really works. Um, she, interesting, I read um, many articles uh, written about her when she wrote this book. She says, after writing the book, many people commented and reviewers said like, oh, Kylie must be. Amira, this is Kylie writing her own voice as Amira. And this is something that she is strongly like against. She refutes it full stop. And she seems to get really annoyed that people do this. She says, and she's very honest, that she had a home life that was more similar to Alex. Um, she grew up in a, in a, a well-to-do family or a family that managed well um, during her you know and she said her family's focus was on her getting educated and you know starting off and all that. Um, she said what it's like with Amira in her own life was that during her college years she babysat um, for families like the Chamberlains so she said the way sometimes that they speak to her and things like that that's exactly how she was treated mm-hmm. do you know um, this lack of understanding a white family being around a black person do you know um, mm-hmm. so it's very interesting and she does nail it really really well um, so yeah it was just an interesting point that I think it's important when people think like, oh, this must be the author writing about themselves and their own experiences. And she's like strongly coming, being like, no. Yeah. Do you know? And I think that's important to note. Um, she is currently working on a second book and I am can't wait to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's like nothing about it online. She's keeping that very secretive, which I enjoy. I like not knowing at all what they're going to be writing about. I like um, that too, yeah. Yeah, but there is going to be, she's working on a screenplay adaption of Such a Fun Age, which I think I cannot wait, um, which is being produced by Lena Waith, who's best known for Master of None. And um, yeah. Oh, 
yeah well, but I it just picture it. yeah i'm i'm really excited because apparently when this was picked up and they were going to be auctioning off the the rights to it she felt uncomfortable by that and wanted to be involved and um so she's helping to adapt it into a screenplay which i think is really important because you have to remember that like these books are like blood sweat and tears going into them do you know and it must be so hard for some authors to see their work being taken away and then potentially being butchered I, I have with my life <laughs> do you know um I trust Lena Waits with my life She's yeah amazing. yeah I I'm really excited to for this to be released um and another thing of somebody talking about this particular author she is predicted to be the next Sally Rooney no so high praise indeed which I thought with the two of you being big Sally Rooney stands I was like have to include this in my little yeah we're we're not stands because we do we do critique her but Sally Rooney's a great author she's a great lady she is so um yeah i would highly oh, recommend that book wow. um, I'm read this. i might shove this up to the top of the to read list yeah, yeah me too i'm going into waterstones today and i might have to pick it up <laughs> it's it's the, the really good yeah. i think i bought it a while ago but i haven't read it yeah really good i would highly recommend and um yeah so uh that's my book very different to what you were guessing, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've been waiting to do this for weeks. I was like, and eventually I was like, I know I read it a while ago, but I have to cover this book. It's just, oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, who's up next? Chloe. Okay, I'll send a pic into the group and I have to do the, the Becca thing of blotting out some details. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm going to have to release like some Instagram post with all like our, the blotting, just all the books that have been blotted <laughs> um, and cover art destroyed because we've had to cover up comments. Well, actually, I'm going to blot my one now. I am looking at the book, Someone Who Will Love You In All Your Damaged Glory by Raphael Bob Waxberg. Mm-hmm. Waxberg? Waxberg, Wakesberg, not sure. <laughs> Wahlberg. Someone can correct us. <laughs> um, it it's a really like the cover would grab you like it's yeah. really cool. Uh, it's it's the same color as the Mars Room. It's that pink, I uh, like really baby pink, and it's got an egg on it. And the way the egg is on it actually looks like the egg could be sitting on the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually. Yeah, like it, it's really real looking and it's cracked but not open it's kind of cracked on one of its sides and it's got like this kind of plaster over it with and it has stories written on it how i feel most of the time (laughs) a cracked egg completely just (laughs) held together by one plaster (laughs) (laughs) that's me that's my life god bless this mess Oh, the title is gorgeous as well. Someone who will love you in all your damaged glory. Oh, so aside from being a book about Rebecca. (laughs) It tells the quest for my hunt for love for someone who accept all my damaged glory. (laughs) But it is glory at the end of the day. It's glory at the end end of the day. day. I think... um, I just love the plaster with stories on it. It's kind of like 
Do you know, um, it kind of makes me think of those people who you think are so happy and having a great life because they're really funny. And it's like they're only funny because they're trying to hold it all together and they're trying to mask it all. It's kind of like that Robin Williams scenario. And it just it's really the people who really look like they have it all together and are making other people laugh or actually having the hardest time of all. So I think that's our protagonist. I think it's uh, I always say it's a girl because I don't know, but maybe it's a guy this time. Um, I think he's in his late, his early 30s. Mm-hmm. And I think all his kids have babies, but he's a comedian. And he's actually like semi-successful. Like people know who he is. He's been on Mock the Week. Like he's doing okay. He's doing good. And to all of his friends and family, he's like a version of like success. And he's got he's got loads of friends. He loves his mom. He has a great time at home, but deep down it's when he gets home to his apartment, he's just by himself and he's really alone. And it's like that, that kind of bandage comes off and you just have to let himself bleed and he's really miserable. And yeah, I think he's putting, he's putting, he's putting his, the people in his life so far ahead of them because he doesn't want to burden them with how he's actually feeling and it's this whole thing of like I shouldn't be feeling sad like I I have everything but I'm seeing all my friends with kids and with family and with relationships and I don't know why my brain is telling me that he goes online and he is like maybe in a support group and he starts talking to someone um about all his problems and like really really opening up to them and uh it's a girl and he really really learns to trust her and eventually because he's kind of semi-successful a lot of what he tells her starts kind of becoming public info and she's been like working with a tabloid the whole time and he's been he's being like eaten from the inside out that kind of a way and i think this is about um him coming undone. That's really sad. When <laughs> said that, like he has to go home, take the plaster off, and let himself bleed, I was like, "Oh my god, that's horrible, but beautiful." <laughs> that stuck with me, man. <laughs> but I think, I think that's what I don't know. That's kind of where it's taking me, and I think this—he thinks he's found someone who's gonna love him and all for his- all his his damaged glory, but actually she's she's loving all the damage glory she's just using that to better herself and he's just left he's he's a he's an eggshell oh man i'm sad i'm really sad sad. and the thing is though that sounds exactly like a book we'd all read yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm sad i want now i want to i now i want um a, a series about it on Netflix. Bonnie, <laughs> you should say that. Oh! Yes, I have edited out that this is by the creator of Bojack Horseman. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry, that sounds like, you know, a Bojack Horseman plot that you just said. It does. The second you said it, I was like, is I haven't watched Bojack Horseman, but it's that Bojack Horseman. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very on the nose. Not for this book, but for Bojack Horseman. 
But this book, like reading it, you definitely know it's by the creator of Bojack Horseman. It's very mm-hmm. the same, like it's not the same kind of themes all the time necessarily, but it's very much in that funny but sad, sad style. Mm-hmm. So shout out to my friend Adrian for recommending this, as in he recommended it once. And then I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get that. And then he was like, did you order it yet? Did you order it yet? Did you order it yet? And, and he's like, tell me what you think when it arrives. Um, so I had to read it and I loved it. I loved it. But it's not actually, I kind of cheated this week uh, in that it is a work of fiction, but it's not one story. It is several short stories. Um, so as those close to me know, I am a huge George Saunders fan. And yeah. from reading this, I think Raphael Bob Wakesburg is also a huge George Saunders fan. Like George Saunders vibes are so, so strong. Basically, I think, okay, there's several different stories here, but I'm going to just kind of focus on a few. Um, they all kind of have similar things in common in that they take, you know, some kind of standard story as in like, you know, a couple with relationship problems or something. And then he transposes it into this like, weird other world so like it's just like these people are having normal human emotions and problems but they're in a really strange environment but he doesn't really acknowledge that the environment is strange if that Mm. makes sense so one of my favorite stories in this is called a most blessed and auspicious occasion and it's about this couple who are getting married but they just want to elope. They don't want to have a traditional wedding, but they're being really like pressured by everyone around them to um, to do things in the traditional manner. However, <laughs> the traditional manner is not like, you know, having your three bridesmaids and having like, you know, a bridal shower and doing this. No, it's um, like goat sacrifice is um, an integral <laughs> part of the marriage ceremony. Um, so let's see, let's pick out a, good a good moment like for the first page or so you realize that like oh okay this just sounds like a normal story and then you know it brings up things like Dorothy darts her eyes at me and I know what she's thinking wasn't my cousin Jeremy just last week complaining about the new carpets his wife bought for the second flailing sanctuary they had installed in their above ground prayer hut (laughs) (laughs) um let's say um Dorothy Rebecca looks disturbed (laughs) Dorothy lights up like the Yuletide hog fire. (laughs) (laughs) In like like 1950s Ireland, you know, like it's a really big deal if like, you know, one brother wants to become a priest and that like Mm. it's really like the family is super proud of that. Um, In this world, um, like it's very, very... your family is quite blessed if your one of the brothers goes on to study to be a goat slaughterer. Like that's like their equivalent. And, you know, it's like, yeah, the next time I see her is going to be in a photo on the cover of a trashy tabloid at the checkout line with the headline, my fiance didn't want to sacrifice goats. So the family are like, why don't you want to sacrifice goats? Like, come on, like, just can you have an ounce of tradition in your ceremony? Um, So yeah, just a very ordinary situation transposed into this ridiculous environment. But the ridiculous environment is taken as totally normal. And there's also another story that I love. Um, where is it now? Um, it missed connection M for W. So it's um, like a Craigslist listing of this man 
on a train I am on, yeah on the Manhattan bound Brooklyn Q train and he's describing like this woman that he sees sitting across from him like you were wearing this and I was thinking this but I was too nervous to say hello to you and everything but it's not like as in they both are too nervous to talk to each other that they both miss their train stops but this goes on for years and years and they never get off the train <laughs> <laughs> just never acknowledge that that's a that's bizarre and otherworldly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious like his style is like so it's distinctive in that like you, I guess it's not actually distinctive as in if I picked this up didn't know who it was by I would think it's a George Saunders book like it, mm. it's so because George Saunders is like really lauded for his short story like he's written a novel now but um just taking really weird styles of writing and like it's really idiosyncratic and I feel like he's robbed them but made them his own like it's very enjoyable but like as in it's so Saunders it's almost uncomfortable as in <laughs> where Saunders has this book Fox 9 and it's written from the point of view of this fox whose land has been bought and is being developed into a shopping mall and it's written in the fox's like style of writing which is just kind of like phonetic English um which, and it's brilliant I loved it it's, it's only about 40 pages I think but it's a lovely book it's devastating but lovely and Raphael rocks up with this story called uh, Rufus and Rufus is from the point of view of a family dog talk talking about his human and like it's it's it, it is Fox Nine. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> and it's it's not great. Like when he gets it right, he gets it really right, and it's brilliant and funny and touching and everything. But sometimes it just misses the mark. Like there's another, mm. yeah. So Rufus, like you know, he calls his human man monster, and it's cute and it's nice, but like it's it's fluff. Like there's not really much to it, and there's yeah. another this poem about um, a breakup. And like, it sounds like a bad breakup song written down. Like it's kind of, it's just cringy and it's not meant to be cringy and I just don't like it. And like, it's kind of the same in Bojack Horseman. Like sometimes it's just like, Ugh, no, and not in a like, I intended it to be this way. Ugh. But like, I love Bojack Horseman. And I, this guy also wrote Tuca and Bertie, which I think is better than Bojack Horseman. <laughs> I love <laughs> and it deserved better from Netflix, but um. That's a side fact. But um, <laughs> some of this book is truly brilliant. And like, oh, it just made me love fiction again. Like, because I hadn't read any fiction in a long time. And it just, some of it really, really spoke to me. And some of it was just not great. Now, it's only, it's his first book. Um, like, obviously, he has a very successful career in television. Um, and I think, like, he could have a really good career as a writer because there's so much great stuff in this book and like just it's so funny like just taking ordinary events and putting them in this fantastical world just works so well <laughs> as George Saunders would tell you oh, um, I need to read more George George Saunders oh George, like oh, he's just amazing but this it's so George Saunders it's actually kind of ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> It sounds so good. I remember you telling me to to buy it, I'd say last year. 
and I was like oh I might go into Waterstones and you were like no you need to order online and I was like oh fuck that like I'll order yeah, it later it's not really available um in the shops as far as I've seen and yeah and uh, I I thought when because I remember you've like sending a photo of a list or something from it a photo of a list there's like a list in it and you were like you have to buy this book it's so good and I thought it was a self-help book for a long yeah, time I have the list <laughs> Oh, will I read a little bit of it? Do okay. So this is from a short story entitled "Short Stories." One, there are two kinds of people. He thought the people who don't want to, you don't want to touch because you're afraid you're going to break them, and the people you don't want to touch because you're afraid they'll break you. Two, it occurred to her that she loved the idea of being in a relationship more than she loved any person she'd actually been in a relationship with. Three, this is my favorite one. You're not like other girls, he said to every girl. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah it's just it's all sad (laughs) like you know I never (laughs) she imagined one day saying to somebody you know like it's it's melodramatic but like I do love it not particularly that chapter but um it's it's very uneven it's just really really hit and miss but when it hits it hits great (laughs) so it it sounds more like maybe some of the stories if removed it would be like exactly and I think every short story collection is like that I don't I've never read a single short story collection where everything was a hit yeah mm. um and this is no exception like this is not great and it's funny because um Adrian's favorite chapter in it I it, it didn't really do anything for me either yeah it, notes to self is like that exactly like I think every chapter of notes to self hits different people differently mm. like that one about trying to conceive no. I know anything about her dad got me the alcoholism got me and then my mom hated those chapters and she hated the chapters about periods as well yeah. really it's funny just different things yeah but it's it's that kind of thing though with any anything though do you know not just books do you know people will find things that resonate with them more and you're like I hated that do you know um mm-hmm. like this book it's, it's not for everyone but there's um just a last note on it there's um a chapter in it called move across the country and it actually reminds me of emily pine in a way in that you know the way she personifies like the love like the love is a character in one of the essays that mm-hmm. like like that shows up sometimes um this book personifies sadness um in a way that like i really like and i've really related to it and i think a lot of people would relate to it and um, it's called move across the country and the first line of it is move across the country and hope the sadness won't find you won't follow you like a stray dog from coast to coast hope the sadness isn't just a fog on a leash shadowing you always and it's just about how you know the sadness isn't a character the sadness is in you and it doesn't matter where you go you're just seeing the sun from a different angle like all the fog on the leash yeah like it's very bojack horseman (laughs) like there we go um it's it's great it's very very sad at parts Mm. And sometimes in like really indulgently sad but mm. you know it, there's a lot of great stuff in it no it sounds interesting I um i would definitely read it yeah like i said it's not one you it's not one you'd pick up as a gift because like who could possibly not like it like it's definitely not for everyone but like yeah if you go into it with like an open mind and a pre-existing love of bojack horseman you'll enjoy it interesting <laughs> Um, side note though when you were talking about the the short story told from the viewpoint of a fox and his home mm-hmm. his habitat being you know demolished and 
a supermarket, I this first thing in my mind was Over the Hedge. <laughs> that movie, I was like, that was the first thing that popped into my mind was Over the Hedge. I was like, oh my God, the yeah, fox wreaks his awesome. vengeance by stealing from the supermarket every awesome. night. But yeah, it was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, yeah. I mean, George Saunders is not snobby with his influences. Yeah. <laughs> that book only came out in like 2018. So. Oh, well, he was watching Over the Hedge and was like, I see this from the viewpoint of a fox. Let's go. Was. Out of 10, Chloe, before we move on, what Wait, would you give yes, it? Out of 10. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Oh, I thought I'd get higher. No, because there's not, there's a lot of like chaff in it. Okay. Okay. But the, like, would your favorite story in it get a 10? Yeah. 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 Okay. A most blessed and auspicious occasion is like one of my favorite short stories. <laughs> It's a 10. She's a 10. Ten. 10s across the board. <laughs> right. Um, okay, Rebecca, uh, I'm going to send you this book. There you go. Okay. Um, so this is the book that Chloe was not supposed to read. Um, <laughs> and it's halfway through. And it's halfway through. Um, so this is Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan. So this is on my to-read list. I did get it for Christmas, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it's about. Um, <clears throat> so in this, it's a very striking cover. It's um, an orange background on top and a red on the bottom, kind of like a split um, three quarters way down. And then there is a glass that has two toothbrushes facing each other and then another toothbrush lying on, I'm assuming a table because don't push your toothbrush on the ground, dear Lord. Um, ew. Nor your toothbrush cup. Nor your toothbrush cup. Um, <laughs> ew. Um, because I'm telling you, if you put it on the ground, someone's probably kicked it over and hasn't told you. So those toothbrushes have touched the actual ground. So ew. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I'm going to say that this is about a couple um, and that the toothbrushes in this kind of depict the relationship. Um, so the toothbrushes are kind of, one is definitely on top of the other, leaning into it. So I'm going to say that the guy in the relationship is overly controlling. He's the and top. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, he's domineering. He he likes to be in charge, and she's, you know, since I'm gonna say that they're married, since they've got married, this has kind of been an issue. She never really realized it until they got married, and things became a lot more joined together. Do you know, with people that get married, you know, that's usually when people get joint bank accounts. Um, you know, property is a lot more shared. And she's realized that he likes to be in control of everything. He wants everything in his name. He, you know, buys everything. You know, she has no control of her life. And she becomes unhappy. And, you know, I think I'm going to say something with the toothbrushes. It's kind of, she feels the only time that anything is not shared between them is the actual toothbrushes. Do you know, they share all the same meals. The only thing they don't share is a toothbrush. Um, so she becomes increasingly unhappy. And I'm going to say that she's, he really wants a child and she's not really, she doesn't want one with him. Um, 
and she kind of knows that would tie her to him yeah and she's she's really having um these doubts about their relationship now and um she's having trouble conceiving and she's having going through a lot of this inner turmoil that he blatantly ignores and doesn't care about and you know she's reminiscing about the times where they were together and she's kind of like when did I stop noticing or just not see these red flags about him do you know I must have realized this way sooner um and she's going past all these points in her life where she's kind of saying like is this why X and X stopped talking to me? Do you know, did they realize that he was a bad influence and I just closed my eyes and pushed them away? And she suddenly starts realizing that she's really lonely. So what she does is that she, well, I hate saying this, but because he's so controlling, she asks permission to join um, some form of club. I'm going to say it's, I don't know, some kind of social event and she meets someone there and um it's the third toothbrush it's the ter- third toothbrush <laughs> and she meets um this woman and um uh, mm, name for her i'm really bad at naming people um i'm gonna say laura it's the first name that popped in my head um she meets laura and she gets on really well with her and she's it's the first person that she has to herself everyone else in their social circle is is his friend first and then hers do you know there's no one that she can talk to about her own problems or what she's feeling so laura starts telling her like you know in a nice way in a very supportive manner that this you're not happy and it's kind of this sudden moment for her that you know the curtains have opened and she sees her life fully that no she isn't happy she's just been kind of accepting all of this so far and what's been happening as just normal and that this is her life now and she has to accept it and um you know that she's in a very abusive relationship and this is only going to get worse a child will not fix anything do you know um it's not a solution to her problems and do you know um she doesn't need to worry about conceiving do you know um if she, you know she can go to doctors she can get it talked about but worrying about it on her own is not going to help and you know she's going to get herself ill and all this so this becomes this person that she can go to and talk to and then we kind of realize that laura has her own problems she herself has left an abusive relationship is actually homeless at the moment so um unbeknownst to her husband um our protagonist tells her to stay at her house and that each morning when he or each night when he comes home they'll hide her somewhere in the house so that's why there's a toothbrush is the only thing that he realizes that someone else is there the toothbrush is the one thing she forgot to move and (laughs) he goes wild that she's having an affair and um she says no 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 I can explain it and he doesn't realize and he doesn't listen um he doesn't listen he's fully convinced and uh anyway it it ends up with him uh i'm i don't want to say kills her but he does something really bad and yeah so that is my interpretation of exciting times Mm. and i know it's definitely wrong but yeah 
There was you know what? Stuff. You're not far away. Really? There's a lot of parallels. Like, I think the major crux of it is that it's an abusive relationship. That bit's wrong. Oh. Okay. But then, like, a lot of the, the small things you said are actually kind of kind of on target. Okay, so this is by Nisha Dolan. Um, I read this twice because I read it in a sitting the first time because the style of writing is really good. She's totally fluent. Um, I, but I felt like I just didn't really absorb it. So I kind of took time to kind of read it again. Um, the one thing I'll say is it's pretentious. Oh. Very pretentious. Um, but I'll get into that. Okay. So the story is about Ava, who is from Ireland. I think she's from Dublin. And she travels over to Hong Kong on uh, like to teach as many of our friends have, mm. like a lot of people go over to um, to Dubai. Hong Kong, Japan, uh, Korea, everywhere, Dubai. And uh, it's kind of one of those programs she goes over on. And like she's very kind of lost and she doesn't really know what she's meant to be doing. She's extremely cynical extremely um they she said that her money that she used to get over to hong kong was actually like all her savings and she calls it her abortion fund because at the time of this book abortions aren't like weren't legal in ireland so she always had money away in case the worst mm. case scenario happened and that's kind of the way ava is wired she's a real like worst case scenario person and everything is really <laughs> but no 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 because becca you have a light about you whereas ava just doesn't <laughs> an otessa moshfeg character <laughs> she is she's just she loves being miserable like she loves it but at least like there's a bit of self-awareness in the book because she is the narrator and kind of the main person but a lot of people do call her out on it but what annoys me is everyone in this book is like they all talk pretentiously everyone does and they all say things out loud to each other that like you would never say and I'll get into quotes in a minute but basically Ava's 22 she moves to Hong Kong and she makes friends with a banker who she starts sleeping with who's going into I think he's um 27 28 and he's he's fine he's not a terrible person but again he's kind of cynical and they're sleeping together and their relationship is just that it's not anything else they're just sleeping together um he's got a high-end apartment he's making a lot of money whereas she isn't and she eventually moves into his apartment with him and he's like he, she kind of realizes that part of the reason she's moved is he's got a lot of money she's going to live comfortably she just he doesn't ask her for money he doesn't want her money um but also he's very lonely and he says it that he just likes having someone to come home to. And even though like their relationship is totally absent of love, like they are very dependent on each other. Um, eventually he goes away on a business trip. Uh, the only real friends she has in Hong Kong are mainly his friends. Uh, his dad actually is a really nice character. He's like, uh, I like nice characters. <laughs> I know like I really like his dad and she's friendly with him and then she meets a new girl called Edith and she becomes the third toothbrush you could say <laughs> and you were fairly spot on 
um she basically not that she moves in but she spends a lot of time in the apartment and ava gets caught up in a lie that she hasn't told edith that she's been sleeping with julian and that's why she's staying there and also she hasn't told julian anything about edith and that they're um they're romantically involved but she ends up really loving edith but it's this she has like this reluctant like reluctance about her that she won't admit that she cares for julian as well and it's just this big crossroad kind of thing the whole time and it's very weird like it's a very weird scenario and everyone's a dick (laughs) um but i was reading i started researching it and nisha dolan um uh, like it, the front of her interview with the Guardian, it's <laughs> she's got written. I'm not good at presenting myself as likable, and that's how <laughs> Ava feels. To be honest, that's her protagonist. And even like um, even in this interview, she's so like Ava. She's so like her because like she said so that like um. It's the author's equivalent to the no trousers and class nightmare. Your first book is finally published, but almost every bookshop across the world is closed because she wrote it this year and she um, they had to have a socially distanced interview across two park benches um, and then a, an interview on Skype because they couldn't meet in the coffee shop in London that they had planned. So um, she groans um, right as they start interviewing her. I just did a bunch of interviews in Ireland and now I know every single one is going to start. I met Nisha Dolan in simpler times in a simple cafe. as She sipped her simple flat white and simply shook hands. And it's just everything so grim. <laughs> I just need some optimism. And I really like the style of writing in this book is great. But there's times when it's just so fucking everyone is trying to be so intelligent all the time. But this is why I started reading that book, I think, in July or August. And I still haven't finished. <laughs> it's hard. There's a bit where she makes a joke about I, I basically had to look up what the word meant before she got to the punchline because I was like, what the fuck? I wonder, can I find it? I was with my friend Niall and he'd just came back up the stairs so when i was waiting for him to come back upstairs i had um i had read a a, like i had just been reading a little bit he came back upstairs and i was like i learned a new word and oh here it is on the train over julian had told me not to mention our relationship just don't say anything he said it won't be the only probus or proboscidean 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 (laughs) i don't know in the room um, I'd said, why don't you tell him? And then there's one less elephant. Uh, if Propiscidian is some pretentious Latin joke. And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like, using a big mean? long word to show off that you know it. It means elephant in Latin. Yeah. So like, like they both made a joke about elephants and they both got it. And I was like, no one knows that that's the Latin word for elephant. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> There's, there's one moment in it that I thought was hilarious, like early on in the book, and I'm never gonna find it because I can't even remember what it was about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have a flick through and see. Do I'll I'll um read out a couple of quotes. So these are actually from characters to, uh, I think this one, yeah, this is one of the characters says this to Ava. 
You keep describing yourself as this uniquely damaged person when a lot of it is completely normal. I think you want to feel special, which is fair. Who doesn't? But you won't allow yourself to feel special in a good way. So you tell yourself you're especially bad. And that's the self-awareness. I mean, that's what made me kind of like this book Mm. is that she knows this character is coming across really terribly and she's not getting away with it. People are pointing it out. Um, There's another one. I thought that if I'd let anyone in, they'd find out what was broken about me. And then not, not, or not only would they know, I'd know too. Oh, I found another quote. The trouble with my body was that I had to carry it around with me. I feel that I one. I feel that a lot. Mm. You still put more time and energy into showing you don't love me than anyone has ever put, in, put into showing me they do. Oh, yes. That's like how the book feels. Like they're so... They like everything they do, her and Julian are just calculated. Yeah. And I just don't want to think that people actually live like that. It's tiring. It's so tiring. Like it's crazy. They're just so cynical and mean. Mm-hmm. And she knows she's being mean and she knows she's being horrible, but she thinks it's almost because she just thinks. She deserves to be treated like she is. It's like she just wants to feel something. Yeah. There's one. Um, he did not want to be my boyfriend. That hurt my ego. I wanted other people to care about me then. Or more. Blah, 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 blah. I wanted people to care more about me than I did about them. Yeah, it's a tiring book and that's why I haven't finished it. Women in movies taught men how to feel things. They took men who felt nothing and made them feel something. And it's about like the... um the power like like women's role in society and then my favorite one is you broke up with the love of your life because you saw how much power they had to hurt you yikes on by yeah she's so deeply protective that she's sabotaging herself yeah it's it is a book about emotional walls and those it's very good but it's like i really did enjoy it and i read it through it very easily yeah, it's very readable. Yeah, she's an amazing writer. Like, she's an amazing, amazing writer. But she, that character is super dislikable and she doesn't nail the gone girl trope. She's a bit more gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a theme, the gone girl trope. Exactly. And gone girl does it the worst. So on a scale of Eleanor Oliphant to gone girl, she's closer to Eleanor only because of her style of writing very good and it is like you know it is by an irish author and um it's quite relatable in a lot of ways mm. like even just going abroad like i know so many people who have gone abroad to teach and um you know like she's it's a badly paid job and she's teaching like english grammar to like really rich kids and like she goes into like a couple of rants about different like grammatical things and like like the use of language and it's it's really interesting and i really like it um it's just it is a bit it is it is a bit indulgent yeah exactly yeah it's indulgent but i i did enjoy it i'd give it about i think i'd give it like maybe seven i think just about a seven out of ten um but i i would i wouldn't read it again i've read it twice now and i think that was the perfect number Girl, I can't read it once, so like <laughs> <laughs> No, her her writing, she is fantastic at writing. She really, really is. Yeah, exactly. 
We're going to have to if try and find in, more optimistic books to cover every now and again. That's actually, that's another thing. I hate the title. Exciting Times. I hate that title. I don't know. I really hate it because there's nothing exciting. And I get that it's because that time of your life is meant to be super exciting and da da da. But like, I don't like the that title. That could be why she called it that. It's, yeah, I just hate it though. Do you know? <laughs> It could be it, like the contrast. Or I just don't like the words "exciting times" as a book. It's just kind of you think just, it's the, exciting times. The it's the thing like, oh. the that jumps out to me when I hear "exciting times," I just think of a Gerald, uh, a Charles Dickens title of a book. I just yeah, the exciting times, great expectations, all that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. just like, yeah. You know? And it's probably a piss take on all of those, but I just don't, I don't know. I really don't like the title. And I I think the cover for this is amazing. It is a beautiful cover. It's a very, it's so subtle and it's so good. Because it's the fact that Rebecca got a lot of like the main themes yeah, like, from the cover. Like it's a very good cover. Mm. Well, it really, really is. Um... Well, when I see toothbrushes, do you know what sound comes into my head? Do you know that childhood song of like, um, a shiny teeth and me shiny no teeth, not shiny that teeth. one it's um <laughs> you're a pink toothbrush I'm a blue toothbrush have we met somewhere before have you ever heard that song it's like <laughs> it's like back in the like 50s 60s like childhood things and like I think it was on some CD when we used to listen to music in the car do you know when we were going on family trips and it used to come on and that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that book cover. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. never heard either of these legendary two. Shiny Teeth and Me is from Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, really? My shiny teeth and me, shiny teeth, shiny teeth. My shiny teeth that twinkle just exactly. like the stars above. Oh, what was that like, pop star in Fairly Odd Parents that like Vicky was obsessed with? Is that not him? Chip? Chip, that's it. That's I, him. He sings the shiny teeth song. So we're gonna try and pick more optimistic books. Um, even though I think all the books I've bought and asked for for Christmas are all depressing. So um mm. it might take a while. Well, it's a grim reader for a reason. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that is it for this episode. Um, we're gonna try and make sure that Chloe actually reads the group chat from now on. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't read the book she's actually supposed to be guessing that week but um yeah that's like the only book I've read this year it's fine <laughs> again. Um, so yeah so uh yeah so she'll never be trusted ever again ever <laughs> again ever again I'm in but, um, <laughs> yes our lovingly roasted nutwood <laughs> Um, they're gonna definitely think we've been bullying her all this episode. Oh my god, I know. this episode and the last episode, they're gonna be like, Why is Chloe willingly doing this podcast? And like, no wonder she took eight like six episodes to join. No, I'm just saying, like, you think she's doing this willingly? You you think we actually gave her a choice? No, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, after all, what is a nutwood tree without her two best masochists? <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, I think that's a goodbye from us. Well, until next time. See you. Bye. 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 Later, dudes.